So to start tonight, I thought I might do something a little bit dangerous on a Wednesday evening service. I thought first thing I would have you do is close your eyes. So go ahead, close, close your eyes, close your eyes. I want you to think of the, the first thought that pops into your head, maybe a job or a picture that comes into your head when I say the words rescue mission. Rescue mission. First thing that pops into your head. Okay, you can open your eyes back up. Now, if you'll indulge me a little bit, we're going to stand up and maybe just chat with somebody nearby you and just, just share with them what image came into your mind. Uh, we'll take like 15, 20 seconds, so it doesn't have to be anything long or scary. Just, just share with somebody near you what you said, and then we'll come back together. Do my directions make sense? Yes. Yes, thank you. Okay. Okay, go. What'd you come up with? Five, four, three, two, one, time. So let's share. Uh, either the, the idea that you came up with or the one that you heard from someone else. You don't have to raise your hand. You can just, just shout it out. What did you, you, you hear? Okay, God is on a mission to rescue us. Good. Thanks for getting us started. Another one? People who fell in the well and they had to like go and dig a path around a long time ago. Okay. Okay. I didn't hear that story, but a good example. Rescue mission. Firefighters. Firefighters. Yep. Good. One more. Helping other people, helping other people, yes, thank you, thank you, yeah. All good examples, all good examples. Tonight, as we study Psalm 126, I want you to have, have this kind of theme. This is the theme that I saw, so it's not in Scripture, but this is what I saw as I, as I read through it, this theme in mind, divine rescue mission. And as we go through this psalm tonight, I want you to, to have these three questions in mind. Just keep these at the forefront as we read it here. First of all, who are we rescued from? Second, who are we rescued by? And then finally, who, what are we rescued for? Okay, so who are, we res- or who are we rescued from? Who are we rescued by? And what are we rescued for? Psalm 126. The psalmist writes, When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion... We were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed 
for sowing shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. This is God's word for our consideration tonight. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for bringing us all safely here to another day of your grace and for bringing us all here this evening. May the words of my mouth and the the meditation of our hearts, may they be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So the first question that I asked you to think about was, who are we rescued from? And it kind of comes up here, and it's not super obvious, but, but it's there, it's in the text, and, and it's there with two words that are repeated. Did you see it? Captivity. I'm talking about captivity. I think it's fair to say that when you and I think of captivity, it might be slightly different than what a Jewish person might have thought when they heard that word, captivity. I think when when we think captivity, often the first thing we think of is maybe imprisonment, think of lack of freedom. And don't get me wrong, that that idea is there when a Jewish person might have thought of it, but, but it's that idea and more so. For a Jewish person, when they think captivity, they're thinking, my friends, my family, my city, my nation, going out, fighting against another enemy, another nation, another city. They're thinking about losing that battle. Then they're thinking about how now they may have to go hundreds, maybe even thousands of miles from home and serve a master who possibly could have killed their closest friends and family. I think there's a disconnect there between what the Israelites, what the Jewish people would have seen and and what we know today. It's been almost 80 years, a little over 80 years, since the last time there was a foreign military attack, organized attack, here on the United States soil. Yeah, you and I, we don't really have to deal with physical enemies running right up against us today, do we? But you and I also know that what we can see It's only part of the picture. What about spiritual enemies? What about spiritual attacks? Are we always conscious of those? Maybe one practical way to help us think in these terms is just to start with the Ten Commandments. Have I always loved God perfectly? Have I always used God's name appropriately? Have I always listened to his word respectfully? Have I always honored those with authority over me? 
we could run down the list of all Ten Commandments and reflect on those, each one individually. But the point is, there is a battle going on all around us, one that you and I far too often don't see. One that far too often we are not conscious of. It's, it's that battle with the devil. It's that battle when he talks to that sinful flesh that's still a part of us. When, when the sinful flesh and the devil work together to get us to despair. To feel overwhelmed. To feel like, well, like we've been taken captive. I suppose if I said amen right now, that would leave you all with a pretty bleak, mis- uh, pretty bleak outlook on life. And so I'm thankful that the question isn't who are our enemies and that's it. No, the question is who are we rescued from? And you and I have been rescued from our sin and the devil's power. The second question I asked you to consider for tonight is who are we rescued by? And that name came up four times in the six verses before us. I'm talking about the Lord. The Lord. That name meant something special to the people of Israel. It may have called to mind uh, when, when that, that time when the Israelites were in Egypt, fleeing from from Pharaoh on one side and the Red Sea on the other, throwing up their hands, what are we going to do? What does God do? He parts the waves and he destroys Israel's enemies. But it also may have called to mind just a few, just a few days later when, when they were at the foot of Mount Sinai right after God had just given them the Ten Commandments And then what do they do? They turn around and make two golden calves. But God, rather than wiping them off the face of the earth like he had every right to do, what does he do? No, he says, I'll forgive you. I'll still be your God and I'll still go with you. That name, the Lord, it was a special name for an Israelite. It may have conjured up the picture of a young shepherd boy. A young shepherd boy armed with nothing but a sling and a stone running headlong into a giant veteran of an enemy force. It may have called to mind that that same king who, or that same shepherd boy who, who then became a king who then was confronted with his sin of adultery and then heard those beautiful words, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. There really isn't that much of a difference, is there, between what we think of the name the Lord and what an Israelite would have thought. Power, majesty, grace, forgiveness, mercy beyond all measure, beyond anything you and I can understand. Perhaps, perhaps the, the real difference is this. 
you and I have a name. A name that we attach to the Lord. A name that is above all names. A name that that enlisted in this cosmic battle that is the human life. A name that, that faced the devil. That faced every demon and drove him away. A name that went to every dark garden of temptation and overcame temptation for you and me. A name that in the dark was lifted up and said, It is finished. A name that came to rescue you. You and I, we have been showered with, with grace upon grace, haven't we? Not only does, are we delivered from our enemies, are we rescued from our enemies, the, the, the devil and our sin, not only are we saved by the Lord, but we're also rescued for something. Perhaps we talk, before we talk about what we are rescued for, it, it's good for us to think about what we're not rescued for. I don't know about you, but one of my favorite rescue mission movies that's on TV a decent amount is, is the movie Saving Private Ryan. Have you seen this movie before? Well, if, if you haven't, it's, it's a World War II movie, and the basic premise is this. Captain, get his name right, Captain John Miller. Captain John Miller and his squad travel through France looking for, fighting their way through France, looking for James Ryan. James Francis Ryan, I heard somebody said. Yeah, thank you, James Francis Ryan. They're looking for James, and eventually they do find him, and, and it's right at the very end of the movie, spoiler alert, they find him and they do save him. But the last words that Captain Miller says in the movie earn this. Earn this life that we have given to you. I always was kind of perplexed by that as I watched that movie. Because if I'm Private Ryan in that moment, for the rest of my life, I am walking around wondering, have I really done enough? Have I really earned the life that's been given to me? I don't think it's hard then for us to think about that and think about our relationship with God and wonder, if God has done all these amazing things for me, does that mean I have to earn that life? Does God expect me to, to earn His love? If we think that way, it's not hard to think, to feel, tremendous amount of guilt. But that's not what we see in Psalm 126, is it? We don't see someone walking around feeling, feeling guilty. No, what do we see instead? We see someone with joy. Someone who wakes up every morning and it's like the best night of sleep they ever had. We see somebody who sings, rejoices, 
I suppose in a word we could say we see somebody who, who has hope. Somebody who, who can look the troubles that are here in a sinful world, acknowledge that those troubles and call them what they really are, troubles and hardships, and realize that that's not the end of the story. That even these troubles, they come from the hand of a God who loves me and a God who cares for me. You and I, we are saved, we are rescued to be lights, beacons of hope. Do you think the world needs some hope right now? think so. This rescue mission isn't just a you and I mission. It's not just a world mission. It is. It is a world mission, but it's not just a world mission. It's not just a, a Milwaukee mission. It is. It is a mission for your neighbor across the street. It is a mission for that, that coworker that doesn't know Jesus. There it is. Psalm 126, your divine rescue mission. You and I, we have been rescued from our enemies. We've been rescued by the Lord. And you and I, we've been rescued to be lights, beacons of hope. Amen. Amen. Amen.